Hello everyone. This is the first in a new series where we'll look at British Prime Ministers and the bomb. We're starting with the current Prime Minister and we'll gradually work our way backwards. So that means we start with Liz Truss. But such is the state of British politics at the moment that uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, we might have a new Prime Minister in place. Yes, Liz Truss has become the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history. That's a beamer, as we'd say here in Glasgow. <laughs> An embarrassment. So this podcast goes out on Monday morning, and we could, in theory, have a new Prime Minister by this afternoon. But back to lame duck Liz. I was inspired to start this new series on Prime Ministers and the bomb by a Twitter follower who sent me a message a couple of days ago concerning Liz Truss and the infamous Letters of Last Resort. Before we go on, I assume most listeners to this pod know what those letters are, but for any new listeners, let's have a quick recap. It's always a great story anyway. Britain's nuclear weapons are on submarines. We no longer have nuclear bombers, uh, the famous V-Force, and we have no missiles uh, tucked in silos. Our nukes are submarine-launched only. And this is what we call our continuous at-sea deterrent. Politicians do love to call it the nuclear deterrent, as it's a far smoother and far less uh, troubling phrase than our nuclear weapons, our nuclear missiles. And they call it the continuous at-sea deterrent as there is always, always, at least one British nuclear submarine out there in the ocean carrying our Trident missiles. Even in times of peace, times of love and joy when everyone is happy and chill, uh, if such a time has ever existed, there is still a submarine out there ready for some nuclear action. The other boats might be back at home, getting repaired, the crew getting rested, but there is always one out there on patrol. And this has been the case since April 1969. So since April 69, aggressors will know that if they attack Britain, if they bombard Britain, if they nuke Britain into a a heap of ash and bone fragments that Britain will still be able to hit them back. Because even if they destroy every person and every command and control element on our small island, we still have at least one nuclear submarine out there, somewhere. And it will be, of course, untouched by the attack on Britain, and so we'll be able to retaliate. And here is where the letters come into play, known as the letters of last resort. If Britain and uh, all its people have been destroyed, and that single submarine out there in the deep is the only way to hit back at the enemy, how does the boat get the message? How do they know what to do? How did they receive their instructions? They need instructions from the Prime Minister, of course, but the Prime Minister has been vaporised, so she can't exactly dish out orders. But actually she can, thanks to the letters of last resort. Each of Britain's four Vanguard-class submarines has a safe which is bolted to the floor. And inside that safe is another safe. 
And inside that is a sealed envelope. And inside the envelope is a letter from the Prime Minister telling the captain what to do. Yes, these are genuinely orders from beyond the grave. Well, let me correct myself, they are they are wishes, the Prime Minister's wishes, put in writing, not orders. That The Prime Minister can't give a military order. All she can do in a standard war scenario, where she's alive, is authorise the Chief of Defence Staff, who then cascades her instructions down through the chain. So the letter in the safe contains the Prime Minister's wishes. It tells the captain what he should do with his nuclear weapons, now that Britain has been destroyed. Of course, no one knows what each Prime Minister has written in their letters. Each set of four letters are destroyed, unread, at the end of a Prime Minister's term in office, and then new ones are installed on each boat, carefully written by the new Prime Minister. But although we don't know what's in them, Professor Peter Hennessy has given a good guess at what must be in those letters, and he has said it comes down surely to one of four options. Option one an order to retaliate. Option two, the order do not retaliate. Option three, put yourself under the command of the US or Australia, if they still exist, or journey to a neutral port. And option four, use your best judgment. Each Prime Minister will uh, write their letters in their own words, in their own style, in their own scrawl, although they can be typewritten, but if so, the Prime Minister has to type it out themselves. This is not a job that you can hand over to the Secretary. But whatever is inside, it will surely be reaching one of those four basic conclusions. And we would hope that the the more verbose Prime Ministers don't waffle on too much in their letters. We would assume that they are encouraged to be quite brief, quite to the point. The Captain won't be settling into a leather armchair with a cup of cocoa in order to enjoy the latest chapter. Time is short. Get to the point, Prime Minister. You might also wonder how the submarine captain knows when it is time to go to his safe and retrieve the letter. After all, no one has communicated with the boat. Communicating with it would give away its position. No, this thing has to be silent and undetectable and constantly on the move. You can't just phone in for an Armageddon chinwag. So if you can't communicate with the boat and no one knows where it is, or only a tiny handful of people know where it is, how can the crew ever possibly know that the dreaded moment has arrived? That Britain has gone? And that it's time to open that letter? Well, although the boats cannot broadcast or receive messages, they can listen in to broadcasts. So they could, of course, hear that war has broken out. So they can follow updates, but if Britain is hit and destroyed, any broadcast will obviously go silent with the rest of the country. So arguably, that silence would tell them that the moment had to come. And Peter Hennessy has suggested that one of the tests that Britain really is gone, is that Radio 4's Today programme would be off air for at least three days. If three days pass with no Today programme, then that's quite a sure signal that 
something is badly wrong back home. Uh, For those not familiar with Radio 4, the Today programme is a a news programme on Monday to Saturday from 6am till 9am. It's what I wake up to every morning. And uh, nothing stops the Today programme. Indeed, it recently went off air for, uh, I think, 20 minutes or so because of a fire alarm in the studio. (laughs) And uh, I was getting jokey tweets through from people saying, oh my God, this is it. This is it. Today has gone off air. (laughs) So that programme is uh, such a staple of the BBC, so well known, that if three days drift past with nothing from the Today programme, that is a sure indicator that it's all gone badly wrong. Now, given Britain's um, current political instability, we might wonder what would happen if our Prime Minister went mad? We looked at this topic before in terms of having a a mad or unstable US president. You'll find that episode in the archive. It's called Sick Presidents and Broken Biscuits. So if we had a Prime Minister in Britain who went mad and issued an order to launch the nukes, could he or she be stopped? The answer is a very sombre and sensible yes. Again, we turn to the great Peter Hennessy, who asked this question in his Radio 4 programme, The Human Button. And you can find that on YouTube, I definitely recommend it. We're reminded that a Prime Minister, whether sane or insane, cannot give direct orders to the military. There is a chain. It is never the Prime Minister speaking directly to the guy with his finger on the button. No, there are plenty of people standing in between. The main person involved here is the Chief of Defence Staff. So the Prime Minister would issue her order to him, and if he was of the opinion that she was mad, he could refuse to pass the order on. Okay, well, she could sack him, and find someone who was more pliable. Yeah, she could, but that process would take time. And that time would surely be used wisely. As Peter Hennessy says in The Human Button, that gives the system time to bring in the white coats. But, uh, nightmare scenario, what if your Chief of Defence staff is in cahoots with the Prime Minister? Or doesn't feel able to challenge their insane order? Well, the order could still be disobeyed further down the line by the crew on the boats because, and this is the crucial thing, The British Armed Forces are loyal to the King, not the Prime Minister. Now, before we move on to Liz Truss's uh, short term, let's stick with the Hennessy programme for a moment, because it ends with a very eerie sequence. He's on board one of Britain's vanguard submarines and is allowed to be present during a drill where the crew rehearse the launch procedure. And he records what it would sound like if it happened for real. If it were to happen for real in the future, the end of the firing chain would sound like this. It's never been heard publicly before. This is, I repeat, an exercise. You'll hear the order to bring the boat up from the depths to its hover position, still submerged, before firing. Hover command. Commence hovering. Commence hovering. Hands up. Hands up. Stop engine. Stop engine. Ship control in condition 1SQ. In condition 1SQ, Roger. 
We're in the missile control centre. Clocks? Check. Stand by your tea. Check. Small ready handover. Target package has been shifted. We're on the active target package. Gained access to the safe missile spinning up. Roger, I have the system. Listen now for the click as the weapons engineering officer pulls the trigger on the Colt 45 pistol handle with the wire running from its butt. Once you hear one away, the first missile is gone. And were it for real, that would be the sound of the end of the world. We are fire control. Fire control in condition 1SQ for strategic launch. Fire control in condition 1SQ for strategic launch. Supervisor Weo, Roger. Command Weo, weapon system in condition 1SQ for strategic launch. The Weo has my permission to fire. Supervisor Weo, initiate fire one. One away. Now, back to Liz Truss, unfortunately. You've probably seen all the latest jokes on Twitter. Uh, the Daily Star had put a lettuce on a live stream beside a timer and asked who will last longer, Truss or the lettuce? And as we know, the lettuce won. I do feel quite sorry for her, actually. Um, it must be just so embarrassing and she's now forever going to be linked with that lettuce. But uh, to her credit, she did take on the dreadful task and the dreadful responsibility of writing those letters. And she was given the notorious briefing, which all Prime Ministers get on their first day in office, about Britain's nuclear weapons, its capability. Apparently that briefing is uh, so disturbing that it's been reported that Tony Blair went very pale and quiet throughout his briefing. And after receiving that, she must have gone off alone to write her four letters. And unless you're a, a psychopath with no feeling then that must have been an exhausting, um, an overwhelming and a very lonely task. <laughs> well, unless she opted for the easy version and just wrote, Hi, it's Liz. Uh, use your own judgement. <laughs> That's uh, a bit of a cop-out, is it not? If you go for that option. Well, I know what I would write. Uh, I would say, do not retaliate. Because there's no point. The value of nuclear weapons is in their power to prevent nuclear war, to deter it. Nuclear deterrence, of course. And so far, so far, it has worked. But if Britain does get hit, and uh, hit so badly that government has been knocked out and there's no one left to give orders and nothing left but a thin letter in an underwater safe, then deterrence has failed. And so what's the point in adding a few more nuclear explosions into the mix. What's the point in killing another few million? It's over at that point. The value is in deterrence, and deterrence has, at that point, failed. Game over. Well, I wonder what my listeners would write in their own letter of last resort. Please do tell me. Um, We'll do a special podcast episode based on what you would put in your letter if you were Prime Minister. So um, send it to me. Uh, remember to keep it short and frame it around one of Peter Hennessy's four options. So you can email me your letter via my website, juliemcdowell.com, and I'll read them out on the podcast. So if we acknowledge that Liz Truss was at least um, responsible and bold enough to write her letters of last resort to face that awful task... 
we may ask what was the point? Because did her four letters ever actually get out to sea? As we've discussed, there are four nuclear submarines, each carrying a letter of last resort. So the Prime Minister has to write or type four, and of course each must be identical. So there are four letters to be placed in four boats. But as we said earlier, we have a continuous at-sea deterrent, so at least one of them is out there, silent and hidden in the ocean on its patrol, and might not be back in port for a couple of months. The other three might well have been home at Faz Lane and the changeover could have happened, but that would mean that three subs would be carrying Truss's letters and the one still out at sea would still have Boris Johnson's. So in theory, Britain's nuclear retaliation would differ depending on which boat was out on patrol when the dreaded moment came. Will it be a Boris boat or a Liz boat? It is inevitable that when a government changes and a new PM takes office, that there will be this uh, little awkward crossover period where one boat might still be out there with the old Prime Minister's letter on board. Peter Hennessy discusses this in the, the newest edition of his great book, The Secret State, saying that Tony Blair was um, apparently quite miffed in the spring of 1997 when one of the Trident subs went out to sea just before the change of government. And so that meant that one of John Major's letters would still be active and out there for at least three months. Well, there's just no way around that. The boats uh, went on patrol are obviously out of communication. You can't put a call in saying, um, hello old chap, uh, bloody general election, don't you know? Would you mind surfacing so we can drop you a new letter? No, he has to stay silent and anonymous and hidden. So yes, you could have a situation where different orders are on different boats. As Hennessy says in his book, the boat's patrol cycles do not harmonise with the political one. So the one thing we might give Liz Trust credit for, enduring the weight and the responsibility of that infamous nuclear briefing and the writing of the letters, well, some of those letters might never have left land and they will be disposed of unread. Well, all Prime Minister's letters uh, thus far have been disposed of unread, but at least they got a chance to go to sea and feel important for a number of years. Liz Truss was Prime Minister for such a short time that there's really not much we can say about her approach to the bomb. Although she did, in her leadership campaign, say very loudly and clearly that she was prepared to press the button if necessary. You'll be ushered into a room, very privately at number 10. We'll be laid out in front of you what are called the letters of last resort. Your orders to our Trident boat captain on whether you, Prime Minister Liz Truss, is giving the order to unleash our nuclear weapons. It would mean global annihilation. I won't ask you, would you press the button? You will say yes. But faced with that task, I would feel physically sick. How does that thought make you feel? I think it's an important duty of the Prime Minister. I'm ready to do that. Of course, this is standard. This is what every Prime Minister or prospective Prime Minister has to say, at least if they want to be taken seriously. This is the whole point of deterrence, 
deterrence wouldn't work if you told your enemies, and I mean literally told them, said it plain and straight, I will not use nuclear weapons. So every Prime Minister, if they want to be taken seriously, has to say this. It really is that simple. They have to act as though they're cool and smooth and totally at ease with the massive destructive power they now have. And that they won't sweat and agonise over the decision. Of course, if they're remotely human, then they will. But you can't show that agony to your opponents. You can't even really show it to your friends. You have to say, yes, I will press that button. And yet, every time, without fail... When a new PM pops up and says that, social media and some news websites get outraged. Let's trust is prepared to nuke us all. Here are some headlines and tweets from news sites when Truss made her statement about nuclear use. Let's trust is prepared to nuke us all into annihilation. Emotionless Liz Truss says she would unleash nuclear annihilation if necessary. In comforting news, Liz Truss told a Tory hustings last night she's ready to push the nuclear button. All this fake outrage is so tiresome. This is simply how deterrence works. She has to say that. It's one of the few things she got right. Anyway, Britain will have a new Prime Minister by the time the next episode of this podcast is out. In fact, we will probably have a new one by later this afternoon, Monday afternoon. The short reign of Liz Truss is over. And I wonder if her letters ever got to go to sea. Remember, send me your letter of last resort and I'll put it out in the podcast if we get enough responses. And let me thank my newest patrons who've joined us in the last week. Thank you, Shari Todd and James Vice. And a special thank you to Chaz Nuki Burden for kindly increasing his pledge. Chaz, you will now have access to our Discord chat groups, so check your Patreon email where I've sent you an access link. Um, On the Discord chats last night, we were talking about the BBC documentary Trauma Zone, about the collapse of communism. It's on iPlayer for those who have access. Um, I watched the episode last night where they show footage from Chernobyl, and they, I didn't know this, they strapped a camera onto a toy tank and drove it into the reactor and bumped it right up against the elephant's foot. Incredible footage. So I recommend Trauma Zone to you if you have access to the BBC. Also, keep an eye on my YouTube channel, which is also called Atomic Hobo, because I have something starting there soon, which I hope you'll like. So thank you all for listening, and I'll be back next week.